Today is the first Sunday in Advent, which means this begins the church's liturgical year. Uh, Advent is the four Sundays and weekdays that lead up to our celebration of Christmas. The Advent season traditionally is a time to prepare our hearts and our minds to again celebrate the anniversary of our Lord's birth at Christmas. And the church is decorated, and for the first time in several years, we have put up the Advent wreath uh, this year, and we'll be lighting one of the candles each week, each Sunday, to mark our journey toward um, Christmas. So I hope that you will also take time to celebrate uh, this season in your homes and with your kids as well. The wreath and the Advent candles and the calendars that are out there, the Advent calendars are all good ways to tie in the symbolism of this season to, uh, uh, and to uh, speak of uh, all the meaning that the scripture talks about that goes with this season. So the wreath uh, symbolizes the eternity of God, the immortality of the human soul, and the everlasting life that we find in Jesus. The four candles symbolize the four Sundays of Advent, and we're going to light, as I said, one candle each week. The purple color symbolizes hope and the expectation that we feel as we read the gospel stories that tell us about Jesus' life. So in a few moments, we'll be lighting the first of the Advent candles and asking you to share in that, but I pray that this will be a meaningful part of our celebration each week uh, through this Advent season. Pray with me for a moment, will you? Oh God, who loved the world so much that you send your son, Jesus Christ, to reveal the height, breadth, length, and depth of your love, we come into this place today to worship you. So prepare our hearts so that we may approach you with a sense of reverence and receive all that you have for us this day. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We are beginning a new teaching series today called, uh, What Are You Expecting This Christmas? And we're gonna be, that's going to be our theme uh, throughout this uh, Advent season and uh, right on through Christmas. Today, though, I would like for us to join together in the lighting of this Advent wreath, and I want you to uh, have a part in that. So we're going to do a response of reading, and you have a part uh, to share, and it'll be on screen in just a moment as well. Every journey faces the unknown, and anxiety can sometimes overwhelm us. There's too much to do. Our lists are long. Our calendars are filled up. We worry that something will go wrong and we won't end up in the right place or we won't take the right route. Getting lost is a real possibility on a trip. And yet we claim hope for this journey because we follow the one who will travel with us and sustain us on the way. Join your voices with mine. The prophet Isaiah says that there is one who is to come who will be the fulfillment of all our hope. The spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. We place our hope in Jesus, the Messiah. The Old Testament prophet Jeremiah wrote, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will fulfill the good promise I made to the people of Israel and Judah. In those days and at that time, I will make a righteous branch sprout from David's line. He will do what is just and right in the land. In those days, Judah will be saved and Jerusalem will live in safety. This is the name by which it will be called, the Lord, our righteous Savior. Join me. Today, we light the candle of hope. 
pray with me. God of us all, during this Advent season, may we be reminded of your promises to us and your fulfillment of them. So help us to prepare our lives for the advent of Jesus within us. Amen. So what are you expecting for Christmas? Have you ever sat back on Christmas Day after all the preparations, all the presents have been opened, after the dinner's been eaten and the dishes washed, and ask yourself, where did this season go? Why didn't the holidays bring more than exhaustion and disappointment and sadness and debt? Why didn't I feel the love and the hope and the peace and the joy that's so often talked about in this season? What has happened during the last four weeks to make me feel emptier now than I did when the month of December began? Well, I can tell you what happened. Some of us missed it. We didn't miss Christmas because the holiday comes no matter what. We missed Jesus. We missed the central focus, the reason we celebrate. And too many of us miss it year after year, which is why this year I'm encouraging you on this first Sunday of Advent to make this year different. But why do we miss it in the first place? Why do so many people miss what this season is all about? Well, the first reason I think we miss Jesus in this season is because our lives are too full. Our lives are too full. We're overcommitted. For 2,000 years, this has been the main reason why people have missed Jesus. Our lives are too full and our schedules are too busy. Now think back to the night that Mary and Joseph arrived in Bethlehem looking for a place to stay. The city was crowded because of the Roman-imposed census. People were required to return to their birthplace to be counted. Everyone was in town, and so every inn, every home, every spare room was filled. The city was full. Homes were full. People's lives and schedules were full. And here's the thing. They were all filled with good and important things. The census meant that there were many extra people in the city, and so when Mary and Joseph arrived, there were few places available for them to stay. Finally, uh, they found a place, but it took a while. Family members had been taken in by their relatives. Everyone had been kind and generous and made room for people, the extra people that were in town, so people's lives were full of good things, but they still missed out on Jesus. We too often miss Jesus because our lives are busy. Our schedules are full, and just like the people of Bethlehem, we might be full and busy with good things, but those good things can still keep us from experiencing the one who brings light and hope into our lives. Family's important, friends are good, work is good, and hard work is honorable, food and giving to others, and yes, even church are all good things. Singing Christmas carols and baking cookies are good to fit into the season. Our lives are filled with many good things. But if these good things keep us distracted and overwhelmed, when we, then we run the risk of missing the reason for this whole season, which is, despite the efforts of our culture to tell us differently, is still Jesus. The danger is we can fill our lives with a lot of other stuff but then end up empty and disappointed when it's all over. 
The second reason we miss Jesus in this season is because the story of God coming to earth as a child in Bethlehem is just too familiar to us. We've heard the same story of Jesus' birth so many times that for some of us it no longer makes the same impact or holds the same truth. And year after year after year it doesn't speak to our hearts in the same way. I will tell you that as a pastor it's always a challenge to preach in this season and be prepared with something new, something fresh to hold a congregation's attention. You know the old saying, familiarity breeds contempt. And while contempt might be too strong a word for how we feel about the story of Jesus' birth, we do often find ourselves becoming complacent. Either way, the familiarity of the story can cause us to miss the central focus of this season. 2,000 years ago, there were also people who missed Jesus because of how familiar they were with the story of the Messiah. And when the wise men from the east saw a star in the sky and they knew it meant that a king had been born in Israel, they traveled miles and miles and miles to Jerusalem to find this king and ask where the Messiah was to be born. But not everyone made a journey like that. In Matthew's gospel, the second chapter, it says King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this, the news that the Messiah had been born as was everyone else in Jerusalem. So he called a meeting of the leading priests and teachers of religious law and asked, where is the Messiah supposed to be born? Now, nowhere does Matthew then go on to tell us that the same religious leaders packed their bags and traveled anywhere to try to find the newborn king. Did you ever stop to ask yourself why? Why wouldn't these religious leaders go to Bethlehem? to see if a king had actually been born. Bethlehem was only six miles from Jerusalem, so it wouldn't have taken them that long to go and check things out, but they didn't go. They had heard that a star appeared and a king had been born, but they never went to check it out because the story of a promised Messiah had become so familiar that it just didn't seem real. The story held no truth and held no power for them. And the danger, I think, for many of us is that the story of Jesus' birth is so familiar that it fails to speak to us anymore. We know all about Mary and Joseph, and the stable, the manger, angels and shepherds, stars and wise men. We know the story. We sing the carols of Christmas, but we don't always necessarily know Jesus. We know all about the birth of the baby, but the reality of God's coming to us in human form to live our lives and to take on our sin so that we can know God just doesn't speak to us in the same way anymore. And this is particularly true when we're preoccupied. I think the people for whom this is a real problem are those of us who grew up in the church or who have been attending church for a long time. This is a story that we've heard our entire lives, and sometimes it just doesn't inspire us. It doesn't move us as it once did, and so we miss the presence and the power of God in this season. And the danger for those of us who grew up in the church and have been following Jesus for years is that all the stories of God can become that familiar. When I start hearing a story and suddenly tune it out thinking, oh, I know that one, we miss it. We miss God trying to meet us in that moment through that story. 
And so we miss Jesus in this season because the story has become so familiar or our lives are so full. But the third reason we miss Jesus in this season is because our hearts are too empty, too empty of hope. How many people in Israel at the time of Jesus' birth had simply just given up hope that a Messiah would come to save them? How many people had given up on God hearing their cry for help and their cry for love? And I wonder today how many of us have given up as well. When relationships fall apart, it's hard to have hope that the God of love is real and able to hold us together despite all that's going on in our life. And when sickness seems to prevail, it's hard to have hope that the God of healing and life is real and able to help us. When the world is dark and divided, it is hard to have hope that the God of peace can make any kind of difference. Sometimes we miss Christmas and we miss Jesus simply because we're empty of hope. Too full, too familiar, too empty. That's why we so often get to the end of Christmas and realize that we've missed the greatest event in history. So how do we make sure that that doesn't happen? What's the answer to full lives and familiar stories and empty hearts? Well, I think the first answer is simply to stop. Can we do less in this season and create time and space to meet with Jesus? Can we take one thing off our schedule to make room in our hearts and in our homes for God to enter in? Can we learn to say no to some things in order to say yes to God and to better things. You see, doing less and saying no requires learning how to set the right priorities. Because for most of us, our lives are full of good things. And while there may be some things that we need to say no to, there are other things that we need to keep in our schedules, and there might be some things we need to add in in this season. So let me ask you, what are the activities What are the places in your life that you say no to first when you're tired, when your schedule gets too full? One of the places that I've noticed people often saying no to is coming to worship, being part of a life group, being part of some church activity. Skipping these when we're busy might open up our schedule a bit, but it will also take us away from those times and places where we might experience Jesus. And so we need to learn how to set the right priorities and evaluate our activities. Does what we're doing bring us closer to God? Do the things we've committed our time and attention to provide us with an opportunity to meet Christ? See, not everyone missed Jesus when he was born. There were two people who did meet him and even got to hold Jesus, and that was Simeon and Anna. They were two faithful servants of God who spent most of their time in the temple. In other words, they never missed church. (laughs) They gave themselves to all the things of God. And because they had set that priority, they were there when Mary and Joseph brought the baby to Jesus, the baby Jesus to the temple to be dedicated. Hear their story in Luke's gospel. Eight days later, when the baby was circumcised, he was named Jesus, the name given him by the angel even before he was conceived. And then it was time for their purification offering, as required by the law of Moses, after the birth of a child. So his parents took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. 
The law of the Lord says if a woman's first child is a boy, he must be dedicated to the Lord. So they offered the sacrifice and required in the, in the law of the Lord either a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. And at that time, there was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon. He, had, he was righteous and devout and was eagerly waiting for the Messiah to come and rescue Israel. The Holy Spirit was upon him and had revealed to him that he would not die until he had seen the Lord's Messiah. And that day, the Spirit led him to the temple. So when Mary and Joseph came to present the baby Jesus to the Lord as the law required, Simeon was there. And he took the child in his arms and he praised God saying, Sovereign Lord, now let your servant die in peace as you have promised. I have seen your salvation, which you have prepared for all people. He is a light to reveal God to the nations and he he is the glory of your people, Israel. Jesus' parents were amazed at what was being said about him. And then Simeon blessed them, and he said to Mary, the baby's mother, this child is destined to cause many in Israel to fall and many others to rise. He has been sent as a sign from God, but many will oppose him. As a result, the deepest thoughts of many hearts will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your very soul. Anna, a prophet who was also there in the temple, she was the daughter of a Phanuel from the tribe of Asher, and uh, she was very old. Her husband died when they had been married only seven years. And then she lived as a widow to the age of 84. She never left the temple, but stayed there day and night, worshiping God with fasting and prayer. She came along just as Simeon was talking with Mary and Joseph, and she began praising God. She talked about the child to everyone who had been waiting expectantly for God to rescue Jerusalem. When Jesus' parents had fulfilled all the requirements of the law of the Lord, they returned home to Nazareth in Galilee, and there the child grew up healthy and strong. He was filled with wisdom, and God's favor was on him. There are many things that we might need to remove from our schedules, and learning to say no is certainly important, but we can't do it haphazardly. We have to do it faithfully and make sure that we put ourselves in those places where God can meet us. And once we stop and create some time and space, then we can look and we can listen for God. The wise men were looking at the skies when they saw the star. They looked for this new king, which is why they finally found Jesus and his mother in Bethlehem. And the promise of scripture is that if we will look for God, we will surely find him. In the words of Jeremiah chapter 29, if you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. I will be found by you, says the Lord. When we look for God, we will find him. In this Advent season, let me suggest a couple of places that we can look. First, we can look for God in his word. Maybe you wanna commit to reading God's word every day for these four weeks of Advent. I would suggest reading the Gospel of Luke during this month. One chapter a day will get, get you through the whole book uh, by Christmas, and every single day you'll be looking at Jesus. Or maybe you can do a family devotion with an Advent wreath and candles. We did that for many years when our kids were young uh, and had time to do that um, Maybe you just want to use an Advent devotional, and we're going to set you up for one today. We're going to send one home with you to help you with that. Maybe you can find another devotional reading, starting as simple as uh, the upper room, which is available out in our lobby. Or maybe you want to commit to being in worship 
every week uh, this month or fill your home with, or your car with religious Christmas music. See, the wise men were looking and the shepherds were listening, which is why they heard the angels singing over the hills of Bethlehem and then decided to act on what they heard. And it's important for us to listen for God in this season. Can we really listen to the music and maybe take a moment to respond to the messages we hear? Can we not just listen to songs of peace on earth, goodwill toward men, but like the shepherds, can we act on what we hear and become agents of peace, extending love and goodwill to the people we work with or the people we go to school with or the people around us? Can we join our voices and our hearts and our hands to the songs we hear and go tell it to people who need hope, need to hear that Jesus Christ was born and more importantly that he's among us today and he offers us hope? So we need to stop, we need to look, we need to listen. This is the answer to being too busy and feeling like the story is too familiar. The answer to being too empty of hope is to open our hearts to all that we see and hear. When we start slowly to see Jesus and then move on to hear God's message of love and grace, we know that we are not forgotten. We're not alone in this life. The God of love is here. God is with us and he hears the cries of our heart. He reaches out to us constantly with his unconditional love and he desires nothing more than to have a relationship with each of us. So my prayer for you this Advent season is don't miss it. Stop doing so much. Listen to the story. Open your eyes and your ears and your heart to the hope and the joy that comes with Jesus. And I encourage you to start today, or you just may end up on Christmas Day thinking that once again you missed what was the most important thing about this holy season. Pray with me, will you? God, only you can see into our hearts and know that under all the busyness of our lives, there is a deep, deep longing to make this Advent season one that welcomes you more deeply into our life. Our heart desires the warmth of your love and our mind searches for your light in the midst of the darkness. So help us to be people of patience and hope in this season people who take time to reflect on the reason that we celebrate, even Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.